Hello, hello, and welcome to season one, episode four of Poll Party. Hey. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me as always is my co-host Rory Deneen. Hi, how are you guys? I'm perfectly fine. Who else is here? What do you you know, just oh. talking to the audience. You yeah. Know, you know. It was one thing about this. And so I find there's like webinars too, is like whenever I'm talking, unless you have a co-host there, it's like you're speaking into like the void. And like, at least like when you're on stage or if you're on the phone or I guess texting is kind of talking to the void too. Like you just throw something out there. You don't know what's on the other end. So you see red. You don't really know the response. Why are you leaving out red? <laughs> uh, as always, Poll Party is brought to you by a couple people. One, <laughs> Intellicast, the original podcast. I'm talking about market research out bi-weekly with myself and my co-host, Brian Lamar. And also, and probably most importantly, is EMI Research Solutions. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at EMI underscore research. Um, poll Party handle is Poll Party Pod, all one word. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. Rory, what's your Twitter? At research underscore Rory. I love it. Um, and as always, if you want to come onto the pod, if you have an idea um, for a poll, um, if you found something interesting out there in the polls, uh, you can email us at pollpartypod at gmail.com. We also have a voicemail line, and that is 312-620-7187. Rory, this is our first one without Dietrich. How are you feeling? A little sad. Yeah, it feels a little less communist in here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I always felt like uh, Dietrich was just a, a little vaguely European. Oh, definitely. All that time Eastern in, in the European. UK. Yeah. <laughs> Eastern European. Hard times. A lot of cold concrete, if you know what I'm saying. You know, I'm feeling sad, but but confident in our abilities. I, I think we can take over quite nicely here. Um, I'm sure he's listening, so I'm sure he'll comment. <laughs> Love to see it. I don't think so. He's a cold turkey type dude for me. I'm guessing like somewhere in Chicago over the weekend, there was like all kinds of uh, panel books and like some collateral PDFs and like on a stove in a boiling pot with matches. So like somebody I used to know playing in the background, somebody. And he's just, you know, having a moment getting over us. And that's all right. You can block me. It's all right. Uh, Roy, let's jump into the news. Yeah, let's definitely jump into it. First, uh, we have an article that we saw. It's actually a Twitter thread, so not quite an article, by Nate Cohen. Um, This talks about how consistent online data has been compared to phone data um, throughout the summer. So uh, there's some sort of response bias that could go into that or some other understanding. Um, Jolly, based on your knowledge, um, why do you think that online has been a little bit more consistent? We've seen jumps uh, with the phone. Well, I... I love this. And so uh, we could, could we tweet out this tweet, like retweet this tweet out? Um, and so, yeah, there's the chart that's on there and it goes through the Trump approval rating by mode um, with two lines. One, the uh, the online is red, the phone is blue. And Nate uh, is basically saying like, he's totally surprised at the stability of online polls over the last few months, um, which is the first time that live phone polls um, have moved without any corresponding shift in online. And I think that is because of just how much more reliable online is how much more of a preferred communication source that is. Um, it's really hard. I think people think back in the day where phone was the way that you knew a phone number was connected with a specific person that you were going to speak to and that had been validated by whatever the carrier was, like all these other different types of sources. And email was so weird because like, who knows, like jolly EMI at Gmail could mean anything. 
right? Oh, yes. That was my actual email. I should have given out my actual email address. (laughs) Uh, But that could mean anything, right? And so there was not a lot of validation on that. But we've changed so much with online polls. And you see this. um, I think you'll start to see this uh, with 538 and how Nate Silver rates polls, right? Where online is starting to become a more... Um, a, pr- a more better approach. Um, people are reacting a lot more. I feel like we as a society are more reactive rather than having stead farm reliefs. And that's why you see things like the Drudge Report, you know, coming pretty close to things. The uh, USC polling is usually pretty good. Uh, those type of things are starting to become more and more accurate because online is just so much more accepted in such an easier way, um, even though it still has its, you know, validation hangups. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think so. And then when you're on the go, you can be using uh, or taking an online survey. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a moment in time as much as it's like the moment you're looking at your phone while you're waiting in line. Um, So you're kind of catching people at a better moment than actually having to pick up the phone and answer it. So you're seeing more people answering and and maybe just that's why we're not seeing as many outliers um, with the online. I think like a lot of things have to have happened or mistakes had to have happened for me to answer my phone. Like for me to get a phone call from someone where the name is on the top and I'm like, I am expecting this. I'm going to answer this. Someone is not dying on the other end, right? Oh yeah, I contemplate it. It's like, should I, should I not? Am I in the mood for this? Something really has to be wrong for them to call me right now, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And now, so if you're just a rando calling somebody to ask them, let alone like landline versus cell phone, and you're just calling somebody to ask like, what is their Trump approval rating? Why are you answering that phone call? You know, who's answering and then who's staying on it for like the 10 seconds of dead air where it's the, somebody, like somebody's just robo dialing, right? And they're like, oh, so yeah. we got somebody here. Talk to them. And please then do not hang up. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please do not hang up. This is Google trying to verify. Your, we get yeah, that all the time. All time. Back before me, yeah. <laughs> but like that's so impossible now versus when it's on your time, right? Yeah. That's the thing. So we are, things have changed so much for the good of society where things are what's in it for me type culture. It's great for polling and great for online and great for mobile research. Like it's a huge thing. What's in it for them? When is it their best time? Not when is it the best time for a calling person to call somebody and get their opinion? Yeah, that's great. Let's move on. The next piece of the news is an article uh, by Frank Luntz. This article predicts that $2 billion in spend for 6% of the population. Um, so this kind of dives deep into what we talked about last week about specific states being uh, more targeted and others not being as targeted. Um, but this even goes deeper into saying that the 6% that's undecided is the most important. And that's what we're going to be spending money on um, during polling and, and such. Uh, Jolly, can you dive a little bit deeper into this? Yeah. Um, so the... I get what he's saying in that if you took out the 6% number and you were just like, um, people are going to be spending a lot of money on a smaller segment of the population that are undecided, then I would say like, that makes sense. The 6% is maybe what throws me off a little bit because I feel like that undecided number maybe is a little bit higher. Um, But I think you could kind of go both ways. And what Frank talks about is, um, first of all, Frank is, um, I'm so polarizing with Frank. Like yeah. there are things that he puts out there. I'm like, man, Frank Luntz is all right. Like I get him. And then there's, there's stances he takes from, why are you dying on this hill type thing? Um, but with this, I, I think the sick percentage, it really throws me off because we are so kind of tribal right now. Like there's not a lot of moderate, even like when we're talking about the democratic candidates, there's not a lot of moderate left or moderate conservative. You are almost radical on both sides. At least that's where most of the noise goes, right? Yep. And so to really dial that down to 6%, it's hard for me to concept. 
Um, but I do believe that a large amount of money is going to be sent on such a small amount of the population, similar to what the, yeah, like what he said, we were talking about last week. Yeah. And he, he kind of talks about how 6% is the truly undecided. So those who are kind of happy with some of the policies that have been put in place with the current administration, but they're also kind of questioning um, where it's going to go in the future. And they're kind of like back and forth on a candidate. So those are the people that they're really going after. And I, I too believe that maybe that's a little bit low of a number, um, in that it will be bigger and, and harder to reach um, these people. Um, I think it's also interesting to take a look at those specific states. Um, in this article, they mentioned Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, PA, North Carolina, Florida, Iowa, Maine, Nevada, and New Hampshire. Um, are you still going with certain states are more important rather than just those? <laughs> I am. Thanks for holding me to that. Yeah. Um, I am still going with that. Um, I do think that, so this is, like my take. So different from Frank, that's wanting to find the truly undecided and coming at 6%. I think there are undecided states, right? And that's what, that's what a swing state is. And he's just diving a little bit deeper and good for him for taking that risk that I am not willing to make. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's the, that's the big part. And actually I was looking this last week, talking about states like uh, Nevada. Um, and we talked a lot about Arizona on the last, last podcast and like really do the electoral votes matter as much in those because Nevada is a pretty small uh, vote population like does that really matter compared to the Pennsylvania Michigan Wisconsin those type groups yeah, definitely. Um, so let's move to move on and transition to uh, something we brought up last time, but uh, it's happened now. So we can we can kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Um, the Democratic debate took place um, last week in 537. Um dove into an article uh, and did some polls with Ipsos um, to really, really understand uh, what had happened and how that Democratic debate uh, helped us or um, what we can see because of it. Uh, did you watch the debate? Uh, I did. Um, I, I, I did watch the debate. Um, and you did see a spike. So like, so 538 posted their, uh, like, what did the debate performance do for them? And was there any winners of the debate? And you de- did see some spikes. And Dietrich was really the the big winner of this one. He predicted that uh, Mayor Pete would have a big push, and he did. If yeah, you look he at did. it, I mean, his, his pre-debate favorability was like 65.7%, and then it looks like he got another 3% bounce um, on top of this debate. Rory, though, like thinking about like what types of moves did it have for you? Um, so I think there was, the important thing to note is there were shifts, but I don't think that there was anything too major, nothing that's going to really change the race too much. Um, Warren really pushed through and she did really well. And she she received good marks um, in the ratings of the debate, which I thought that was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting O'Rourke's um, whole uh, rating on the uh, debate itself. Yeah. He did really well in the ratings, but then uh, when it came out to the polls, he didn't really move up. So I thought that right. that was interesting um, because you, you would think, right. If you perform well in the debate, your, your rating's going to go up and you're going to improve in the polls. Yeah. Well, it's been, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the better works story. Yeah. Right. I agree. <laughs> Hotness, but nothing really there. It's yeah. like a noise, but not much signal to keep up with the 538 uh, Nate Silver comparison. So we're like, you know, we, over the last few weeks, he's been so adamant about gun control. He's given the speeches where he's saying the F word and like he's all over Twitter. Then he has an awesome debate. And still, like if you look before versus after, he went up maybe 0.5%, which was nothing. Um, but at least he was one of the ones that go up. I mean, I think that's better than what, you know, Bernie or, or oh, Harris, man, that was she kind of took a dive yeah. for a lot of things. Uh, 
So at least he did go up, but at the same time, not enough to make any type of difference. And that's what, to me, if I am sitting in the O'Rourke campaign and you kind of threw your Hail Mary over the last three weeks, right? Yeah. You're like, look, this is who we are. We want to be the people's champ. We want to be Bobby Kennedy. We want to go out and we want to say these things. We're going to drop an F-bomb. We're going to be out there in the poll. And you didn't move like this. Yeah. It's like, well, there's no, there's, there's nothing going to happen here. Wherever you think about it, if you're Mayor Pete, like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, he maybe jumped almost two points in pre versus after, but like, was that big enough? Yeah. You know, like I know we said it's going to have a three point boost. Let's be honest. My man's needed seven, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he needed a lot more than just this little push. Yeah. Um, I think the, the best big thing. Pushes. Right. He needs big pushes to where like, that's okay. If Warren only goes up two points, 2.4 points um, because she was at least close to Biden. Right. Yep. Like she, she's at least near the top of the hill and she's got twice as much support as what Mayor Pete has. Do you think we're going to see any major strategy shifts um, from any candidates as we move forward after this debate? Uh, going to versus need to. That's kind of my thing for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, good question. And this kind of gets me back to like that that previous uh, kind of makes me man. I'm starting to agree with Frank Luntz a little bit here. But like, do people already have their minds made up? Right. And so, like, if there really are 6% truly undecided, then that's a pretty small market share to come up with. Like, if you think about it in terms of business, if we had, like, a 6% market share grab we can do, if we invested and made a new product, we probably wouldn't make that product, right? Like, we, would, we just wouldn't, it wouldn't be worth the cost to do that, especially with the time crunch. So, I don't know if anyone's going to be, like, huge shifts, but this is coming down to more of a three-horse race now. Yeah. Um, to where maybe, you know, Mayor Mayor Pete may be positioning himself for something else. And maybe, um, I don't know, Andrew Yang is, is kind of positioning himself for something else. Um, but I don't know if anyone else is going to do that. And so if you think about it, the way I see it now is that you have these three separating from the pack a little bit, um, even though two of the three kind of went down from the last one. And then uh, Tom Stryer, what happens to him and how does he shake up those three? That's That's where I kind of see this moving from here. Yeah, and with that, let's move to our poll of the week. Um, this week, we're going to take a bit of a different approach. We're normally looking at uh, candidacies and um, different states and, and things like that. But today, we're going to be looking at a poll for um, from the KFF Health Tracking Poll. Um, this is a poll that takes a quick look at um, the Affordable Care Act and the public's view of this. Um, so it's very interesting to see the the Tracker started in March of 2010, and there's a you can kind of see who's favorable and who's unfavorable, and the trends uh, throughout the months. And so, if you take a look at this, um, it's interesting because in the last 12 months, there's been no major spikes, but uh, over the last 24 months, uh, you can see a lot of different trends. Um, and so, I want to take a look at just the understanding of uh, different public view polls. And Jolly, what, what what do you take away from public view polls? Um. They're interesting to me because every time I see a public viewpoint, especially over something over this longer period of time, I try to think of where, what were the change agents for when spikes and peaks and valleys started went or yeah. when the lines shifted who was on top. And so, tell story, right? <laughs> right. You try to tell the story with it. And so for this poll in particular, like if you look at it, the poll, uh, more adults have been thinking more favorably about the Affordable Care Act um, really since January of 17. Um, and what happened in January of 17? Trump took office. That was his inauguration, um, which is to me like 
a huge failure if I'm a Republican congressman or senator that we in January of 17, we got control of the House and of the Senate and we had the president. And for the first time in over 18 months, we lost the favorability on the Affordable Care Act, which was put into place and generally viewed as a left policy. That's crazy story to tell, right? Like what, why did it take, we got all the control and then we lost everybody. Yeah. So there, there, there has to be a deeper story there. Like what, what changed and, and what made people kind of see this differently um, with all that change. Um, so it's, that's definitely a, something to dive deeper into. And I think that's why these public opinion polls are so important to really understand that there is a deeper story than just um, somebody taking office and, and their policies, right? It, it, it can be a little bit deeper than that. Um, how do you think we can use this information any, any, in any other ways? I think it it's could be. Um, I mean, if I'm if I'm in a primary debate, I'm harping at this like crazy that the majority of the public, when the Republicans got control of this, like yeah. the majority of the public started going off against it. And then I also use this as um, you know, you can kind of divide the data into different places, and if you divide it by party ID, it's pretty constant yeah. both sides yeah. of how they view on things. There's not much change in uh, in the beliefs of both things. And to, to me, like if I'm somebody, you know, if I am pitching kind of a universal healthcare type program, like, um, like Warren and Sanders are, then this is perfect for me. Yeah. Right. It changes like, your strategy. Yeah, it, it it's your it's strategy. a huge strategy push for me. Cause I know that it's viewed more favorably now than it ever has been. Yeah. What about you, Roy? What do you think about it? I thought it was really interesting. Um, when I took a look, I kind of was doing the same thing because uh, trying to understand where the peaks and the valleys and, and how they affected um, were affected by change in the news or change in media coverage and such. So I thought that that was really interesting. And I think this can be really used. And I think the biggest thing is for strategy to understand um, how people might take in different views that you are putting out there and, and really understand where you should um put your time and your money. Right. Right. Um, so it can kind of create better ways to understand um, how you're going to go forward. And if something is worth harping on, or maybe you should kind of let it go and start talking about a different issue. Um, so that's kind of what I took out of it the most. Is there any other policies um, that you think should, we should take a look at? I think there are. And you know what, this might be a good push. Like this, I feel like kind of feel like I'm pitching EMI research solutions right now, right? Because like, and you're kind of saying like, um, what types of polls, if you're looking at policy information. So I think policy information has been, was one of the first to really start to gain online polling type traction, right? So maybe people weren't all in on doing candidate polls. Maybe people weren't all in on doing like uh, any of those type of, but policy has always been kind of open for that. And mainly because a lot of times policy is pushed by some kind of pack or money type thing and they're funding it. Um, but I would love to see, like, think what are the hot buttons in the industry right now that are really kind of polarizing between party that are like, you know, are very partisan and really tried to see like, is this really a partisan idea? Cause I, I mean, we keep running back to this, but things like gun control and immigration that are get pushing so hard by each side. I think there really is kind of a common ground out there among like the everyday person oh, yeah. is moderate and in yeah. the middle on these things. They're like, ah, I could take it or leave it. Or maybe under this case, I feel this way. In this case, I feel about the other way. And it's, um, and they're also like, it's the same types of things that are going to get brought up every single election, right? Every single national election and probably never get changed. And that's why we put like, in society, we put so much emphasis on like Supreme Court justices and things like that is yeah. for these type of things that I think really if we did the polls and we try to see was there any significance, is there any type of relationship like 
then we can decide what we want to argue about. Yeah. And then we can create a, a bigger and cooler story, maybe than just like there's two sides and they're both very different. And right. um, we can find that middle ground and really understand what the people want. Right. <laughs> yeah. Give the people what they want. That's a democracy. So now we'll shift to uh, a little bit more of a fun poll. Um, Adam, are you ready? I'm going to ask you and we're going to figure out yes, right now. I'm ready right now. I am on the website. I'm ready to take my poll. On the air. We're going to find out what horror movie character Jolly will be. This is such a great idea because yeah. to me, like nothing says Saturday afternoon or like uh, like a Saturday night. Think about it. you're at home on a Saturday night. Nothing is more like in tune to that than like a BuzzFeed quiz. Yeah, I mean, I was I was telling our producer Brian yeah. earlier that probably one of the most important things to me is when I took the quiz on what kind of French fry I am. <laughs> Are you <laughs> crinkle like, cut? No, I'm like Shoelace? a curly fry. You're curly fry? Yeah. Seasoned? Uh, no. no, they don't. They don't tell you. They don't really seasoned. tell you about definitely seasoning. Not. You are not a seasoned. Uh, barely fried. No salt. No salt. Just like. <laughs> Potato. Yeah. I'm with you. Fried potato. <laughs> yeah. Maybe au gratin. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to do, do a horror movie character first. The first question is pick a haunted house. And because we know you can't see it, they're scary looking houses. Jolly can describe his pick. I'm going to pick the top left. I think that's the house from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Gray and brown. There's like a sunset. Yeah. It's like bigger than a normal house. It's like sepia. That's how haunted houses are, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how affluent are the haunted? Aren't like all houses, all haunted houses are like two floors, four bedroom, yeah. three bath, yeah. and a great school district. Like that's some affluence that I'm peeking at. And if I've got to be haunting for the rest of my life, yeah. bring it on. And the Make decor is never in. like fun or modern or exciting. Like you wouldn't want to live there. You'd I'm be like, oh, you. I'm, I'm out on this. Yeah, but it's you know what? Flip the house. Bring in the magnolia. Bring in the gains, and let's make yeah. this. Yeah, I'll live with a ghost. Let's do it. The next question is, who are you with? The first answer is, I'm all alone, unfortunately. The second answer, I'm with my friend. The third one is, I'm with a big group of people. And the fourth one is, I'm with two to five people. I'm with two to five people. That's kind of my sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. You're a group guy. Yeah. You like yeah, but not a big group. Teamwork. Teamwork. Yeah. I want to yeah. be a big fish, small pot. Yeah. I, I, I can understand that. <laughs> uh, what's the first thing you notice? A stranger in the distance? A random hand, heads of dolls, and blood on the wall. Um, you a random in. hand. A random hand. Yeah. Let's um, do it. The head of dolls is the most frightening to me, 100%. And blood on the wall, I wouldn't know it was blood. I, I'm, I would just think it's, you know, chic. Yeah, but the hand, you're like, I'm with two yeah, to five like, people. Yeah. Like, why is there a Who's six hand? Guy? Yeah. Um, the next question is pick a weapon. Um, an axe? A knife, you are the weapon, or ugh, some bread. Um, I am the weapon. Oh. Easily. I'm not shocked. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Probably would have picked that for you. Okay, um, big fish, small talk. <laughs> Alpha. Fight them. <laughs> Pick an animal, a bat, a spider, a snake, or a black cat. Mm, this is interesting to me. I hate spiders. Um, snakes aren't scary to me. Bats are the most terrifying animals in the world to me. So I'm going to go bat. I kind of would have thought you picked black cat because don't you have a black cat? Because my recent black cat, I do. His name is Baker. Uh, but I don't want to bring him into this. Oh, He's an innocent kitty. Yeah, you don't want him in the haunted house. I get it. He's safe. Run, Baker. 
Pick a good luck charm because you'll need it. A book, a ring, a necklace. I or I, of course, don't have any. Or you. Let's. I don't want to make this about me. <laughs> I'm going to go with a necklace. I've always thought about like clutching something. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> like clutching my. Oh, give me the strength. Something like okay. that. I like uh, it. It could be like an heirloom or something. You know. Yeah. Uh, the this next question is yeah with a picture of the person who's now haunting me inside of it. Creepy. All right. Are you writing a horror yeah, story? <laughs> what quiz is this? Um, so the next question is, you see someone digging a grave. What do you do? Weird question, but you try and fight them. You walk toward them. Always smart. Scream or you walk away. Walk away. Mind your own business, man. Some people just got to work. The next question is, pick a creepy character. Freddy Krueger, Pennywise, Jason, or Samara Morgan. I did not know that the girl from the rings name was Samara Morgan. I didn't either. <laughs> so I, I'm glad name. we clarified that. Oh, what a, is listeners that a probably didn't know family either. name. They were like, probably a family name. <laughs> Passed down. This sounds Gaelic. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Jason. Misunderstood dude, man. Just determined. Got to, you know, he believes in himself. Yeah. It's what everybody <laughs> thought. <laughs> Lastly, pick a horror movie. Insidious, The Nun, Child's Play, Annabelle Comes Home, and we're judging. Uh, I've only seen Child's Play of this list. Okay. But I like the looks of my man on the Insidious poster. Um, kind of looks like my oldest son, which makes me answers a lot of questions. Yeah, that's creepy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with him. Okay, what did you get? I got the one who's... <laughs> Oh, oh my god. <laughs> hey, will you do me a favor? Will you call Dr. Bertrand and tell her it's Adam again? And I need to talk to her about some things. Because <laughs> what I got is that the one who seems confident but is actually afraid. Whoa! Whoa. That is so deep. I didn't think I was going to learn something about myself, but I already knew it. You were trying to put on a brave front, but at the end of the day, it's all just an act. You're scared out of your mind and have no idea what to do next. Whoa. What do you do? What are you going to do with this information? Just apply it to the rest of my life? Yeah, like, I, th I think that's a good way I of I feel like Cast in the Cradle is about to start playing. <laughs> this is so good. These BuzzFeed quizzes are deeper than That's you not know. what I expected. Yeah, if you have a BuzzFeed quiz or another quiz, fun quiz, that you'd like us to take, send it our way, and, and we'll definitely make sure we, we take a look. So which one did you get, Roy? Um, so when I did it yesterday, I was the first one to die. Oh, yeah. I wonder what got that on. I'm okay with it. I kind of was like, you know, I'd be pretty scared. So just. No, I think you are somebody that are just like, you know what? I'm going to fail fast. Take me as an example. Yeah. <laughs> Learn what you can from me. And hopefully it betters your life. Yeah. Hopefully like this is a clue to the end of the story. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I can help you. And at the end of the day, I, I'm a real winner then. Yeah. You'll be memorialized. Help the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be more, and plus, hey, first one to die, first one to come back and haunt. Hey. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's what I want, but yeah, I think so. let's go for it. Awesome. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Poll Party. I thought this was really good. Who needs Dietrich? Yeah. Get out of here. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, uh, Poll Party Pod, all one word. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. And Rory, what's your Twitter again? Uh, research underscore Rory. How many followers do you have? Um, I think maybe 10. Ooh. I'm a follower. <laughs>
Okay. Again, you're the first one to die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can also email us if you have a poll that we should look at. If you have like a, one of the fun quizzes, um, if there's something we should be looking at, or if you just want to tell us we're wrong about something, you can email us at pollpartypod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail. And that phone number is 312-620-7187. Rory, anything to add before we log off? No. I love it. Stay tuned. Let us know if there's any polls and we'll be here to dissect them. Thanks so much, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.